What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I am your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we have a special episode today. You know, we've had guests on before. We've had Austin Bear, we have Sam Corcoran, Jordan Leonard, all great guys from the New House School, from Sisters TV, Z89 Radio, all of that stuff. But one thing that we have not had on this show in terms of a guest is a woman. And, you know, considering we're in the month of March, you know, Women's History Month, International Women's Day was just a few days ago. Why not have a woman? And no, that was not the, the reasoning for having a woman on the show. It just certainly happened to be coincidental that Elena Randolph joined us for the show. Elena, friend from Syracuse University, she's not a Newhouse student, but she knows her sports. She knows her NBA, her WNBA. So we get into her team, the New York Knicks first, talking about their success relative to this season, of course. But, you know, it's a good story. You know, nine in a row. They should have been ten in a row. But, you know, lost to the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to rub that in because I know Elena's going to be re-listening to this once I put this out into the into the internet ecosystem. Yeah, I lost in the Hornets. Come on, man. I mean, no disrespect to the Charlotte Hornets, but really? After you beat Boston twice? Like, that's, that's insane. Anyway, we talked about the Knicks. We talked about the John Morant situation. talked about international players single-handedly becoming some of the best players in the NBA. Of course, you're still going to have homegrown talent. There's no doubt about that. But international players sort of setting the standard for what the league is now. So we had a great conversation, great stuff, great nuggets, great gems dropped. Please enjoy. And apologies for the subpar mic quality on this because I'm home. I'm in New York City. I did not bring my microphone over from Syracuse University. Apologies for that. But yeah, enjoy this one, guys. guys so today we have a very special guest here first live show of the from downtown podcast um first woman to be on the from downtown podcast the first black guest on the from downtown podcast um breaking barriers all over the place give it up for elena randolph how you doing i'm great i'm happy to be here um excited to get into some nba basketball just Chop it up, yeah. Some NBA basketball, some Knicks basketball. You're a, you're a Knicks fan, rep where you're from? I am. I'm from Long Island. Grew up a Knicks fan, you know. Just happy to see the Knicks playing well this season. Okay, so let's stop right there. So Long <laughs> Island, right? You know, um, the the five boroughs. They're the Bronx, the best borough, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. So... You know, you're, you're kind of like Queens, kind of, but I'm gonna you know. I'm going to stop you right there. That was a bold <laughs> statement to say that the Bronx is the best borough. The best borough. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I grew up on Long Island. Nothing changes that. Um, I never say that I'm from the city because people like you who are actually from the city always got something to say about it. But 
Yeah, I'm from Baldwin. Shout out Baldwin. I like how you said that with so much confidence. Baldwin Bruins, yeah. Yeah, okay. Shout out Baldwin. Shout out Baldwin, guys. But uh, yeah, so today we got a few topics we're going to talk about, starting with Elena's New York Knicks. Right now, the New York Knicks, the fifth seed right now, 39-28, would have been on a 10-game winning streak, but uh, they lost to the lowly Charlotte Hornets, who give, give credit where credit is due. The Charlotte Hornets, they played a pack of a game, even without LaMelo Ball, they, they showed up, they showed out. Um, and for the Knicks, we can go into that winning streak um, prior to that in a little bit. But, Elena, just your initial impressions on, you know, how the winning streak came to an end and then just your thoughts on it in general. Um, all good things come to an end. I wasn't too uh, worried about it. Obviously, would have liked the win going into our West Coast trip. Uh, we have a few away games. So, at this point in the season, every game counts. Uh, right now, fifth seed that means we'd be playing Cleveland. So, obviously want to win as many games. But, um, I don't know. I'm proud of the team for even being on a nine-game win streak. Uh, I think everything is kind of gelling together. So, one minor setback. I think we have a larger goal of, you know, making it out of the first round. Haven't done that in a while. So, I don't know. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. You're okay with it. And, you know, I'm looking at the nine-game win streak now. Um, you guys beat Utah. You guys beat Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is is no slouch, despite them losing KD and Kyrie. You know, Macau Bridges, he's a star. Like I, I like think, him a lot. I think people don't really real never realize how good he was, especially in some of the earlier this season when Devin Booker was out for that large stretch of time. He was sort of like that de facto scorer, right? Obviously, you have Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton there, but Macau Bridges was sort of that perimeter guy that you gave him the ball. He was getting to his spots in the mid range. He was knocking down threes. So. I just think that now that he's in Brooklyn, he's the number one guy automatically. Um, I love Cam Thomas, by the way, but uh, one, one, two, along with Cam Johnson. Um, Macau Bridges is really that guy. So you beat Brooklyn twice in that one streak. You beat Atlanta. You beat Washington. You beat New Orleans. You beat my Boston Celtics twice. 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 Okay, wait. Let's take a second to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, we don't got to talk about that. That is, like, very significant. That is. That is. Because you could say the first time is a fluke. But the second time without Jalen Brunson, yeah. double overtime. Shout out my boy Emmanuel Cookley. Love that boy. He was hooping. Yeah, and, and I, I was watching that game. And uh, the Knicks, they, they, they won. They put up a really good fight. Um, man, the, the Celtics sort of have been struggling as of late. They, they won after a three-game skid last night. But, uh, you know, losing to the Knicks, that is significant. One, because Boston... For the majority of the season, they've been the best team in the league. Now they're sort of faltering off. Milwaukee is sort of there at the number one spot right now. And even in the West, you have Denver. Um, man, the Knicks, they're good. They're good this season. And, you know, last year, I think it was the year before that when they, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they made the playoffs. Was that last year or the year before that? Two years ago. Two years ago, yes. Yeah, so they made the playoffs. And, you know, Bing Bong was a big thing in New York. That was... That was the trend, and uh, for good reason, right? They hadn't made the playoffs in so long. You know, Julius Randle was sort of the star. They have Jalen Brunson now, who, outside of Damian Lillard, and I'll credit J.J. Redick. Um, he said this on his podcast. He's Shout the, out the J.J. Redick podcast. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Um, you know, Jalen Brunson, outside of Damian Lillard, best guard in the league um, post-Christmas. You can say throughout the entire um, season. Jalen Brunson, he should have been an all-star. I'm very much surprised he wasn't an all-star this year. Take a look at his numbers right now. Averaging 24 points a night, four, uh, rounded up, four rebounds, six assists, 
49% from the field, 41% from three, 83% from the line, and for those who care, 21 PER, which if you look at the PER metrics, that's that's all-star. That's right at the all-star level. So, But all accounts, Jalen Brunson has been an all-star guard alongside Julius Randle, who was an all-star this year. You have two all-stars in New York City. That's big. That's a really big thing. I agree. I think the Brunson pickup was fantastic. I won't even lie and say that I knew this was going to work out. I didn't really know much about Jalen Brunson. Um, I don't really watch a lot outside of the Eastern Conference, so wasn't really familiar with the Mavs. Um, But just from, like, the first month of him playing, it was clear, like, he has that New York energy that we were looking for. Like, he's working hard. Every game, he is guaranteed to take at least one charge. Like, this guy really just wants to hoop. And I think the biggest thing, like, aside from the stats, is what he, like, the help he brings to Julius. Mm -hmm. Like, in in those past two seasons where Julius was really taking on the load himself, yeah. like, he, it led to some poor decision-making at times. Yeah. Like, his passing, he's always been criticized for his passing, or his lack of passing, I should say. And now with Jalen having the ball in his hands, it just gives Julius a chance to, like, focus on just scoring and not playmaking and all that. So Jalen runs it just, just such a great pickup for the Knicks. Yeah, and when you talk about, like, Julius Randle not having really anybody. Like, the point guard spot has been a huge issue for the Knicks. And you can tell me better than I can, probably. Like, I'm thinking back to, uh, like, the early 2010s. Who It was like a rotating door, right? Alfred Payton, Pablo Prigioni for one of those yeah, years. Yeah. Like, you can just name all the guards that were C-tier at best. You know, you never had really an all-star to be a guard in the New York Knicks uniform. Which is a shame, because New York is a guard city. Agreed. And I think... That's the most um, optimistic part of this entire thing is I think it's about leveling up each season. So now we have a solid point guard. We have a solid player in Julius Randle. It's now finding those other pieces. So the Josh Hart pickup, like fantastic pickup. He brings so much energy to our second group where there's really not a drop off from when our starters leave and when our second unit comes in. Mm -hmm. So now... My biggest thing is who's gonna be our third who's gonna be our third star. Ideally, ideally, if all things worked out, you know, Donovan Mitchell would have been perfect. We would have <laughs> loved him. But I think now we're starting to have a solid foundation. We're starting to be one of those Eastern Conference teams that people talk about. Yeah. The next few years are gonna be adding pieces to make us, you know, legit contenders. Yeah. I mean ideally, right, RJ Barrett. Um, he was supposed to be your guy getting picked number three overall, but behind Zion and John Morant, Zion injuries aside, MVP candidate John Morant. We'll get into a little bit later. When he's on the court, he's an MVP candidate himself. So that drop off is precipitous, but I don't think it really should be. When you yeah. talk about RJ Barrett, um, he's a guy that he has all the tools, right? Six, seven, long wing. He's athletic. The shooting, I guess, has been his one indictment and, uh, Guys, people say he doesn't have a right hand. Stephen A. Smith loves to say that. I haven't. I've watched his games. He does tend to go left a lot. He's a left-handed player. Um, but you know, he he's only what 22, 23-ish. He has plenty of time. Um, I'm just curious to see if he'll be a late bloomer. Or this is just who he is. I agree. Um, I don't know the. Ex- I want to say we just signed him for the four-year extension. 
Don't fact check me, fact check me on that. No, but that sounds about right. I think yeah. it's the four years. So the real question is, in these next four years, is he an all-star? That is the biggest piece. And this year, you know, we were feeling like maybe he could be. He had the, um, I think it was his left-hand injury. He had a hand injury um, that sat him out for a bit. But, you know... RJ has those flashes of greatness, like, and I think he puts up a quiet 20 points. Like, you know, everyone talks about Jalen and Julius, like, as they should, but right up with them, RJ is having 20-point nights, like, consistently. So I think it is, he is not playing the way we wanted him to, but I don't think, I think it's too soon to say he's not going to reach the potential. I think he still has time. Yeah, because the potential is always there, right? When you have an athletic guy that that is his size, um, the strength that he has at the wing position, like he should be at bare minimum, you know, like a twenty point per game guy for his career. Honestly, he has all of his tools. The jump shot it can improve. So when you talk about that, he's gonna get the opportunity. Jalen Brunson's a great floor general. Um, he's gonna be the third option. And why not be able to score an average 20? And he can get his own shot when either RJ, I'm seeing not RJ, um, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are on the bench. He can be that de facto second guard, that two guard in the in the system. For sure. And to slightly move off RJ, um, our center, Mitchell Robinson. Love him. I would put him like up against a lot of centers in the league. His biggest flaw is availability. This man yeah. is always hurt. But I think, like, as you've seen with this winning streak, um, obviously coming out of All-Star break, um, Mitch was ready to play. Like, when our full unit is together, like, we're, we're a good team. And, like, you saw it in beating, like, good teams. It's not like we just rolled a bunch of bottom-level teams. Like, we were rolling good teams. So, you know, I think when our group is healthy and all together, like, I put the Knicks up against anyone. I won't lie. That's a irrational Knicks fan <laughs> confidence, but I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. The Knicks, they've beat Boston twice in the playoff series. Will that happen? I don't know. Let's talk about the playoffs for a second. If the playoffs were to start today, it would be Cleveland versus New York. Do you like New York's chances? I think that's a great series. Um, obviously not going to say a sweep. Um, I could see it going to seven games easily. Um, I think... Yeah, the main question is availability of all the players. Right now, Jalen Brunson has been out, I want to say, two games. Not sure if he's playing tonight against Sacramento. But if all our guys are healthy and all their guys are healthy, I could see it going, you know, far. And obviously, I'm going to root for the Knicks. But I think the the biggest thing, difference between the last time we were in the playoffs against the Hawks and now is we have a legitimate player in the clutch who can have the ball mm. in his hands. Like, yeah. Jalen Brunson in the fourth quarter, last four minutes, or however they calculate clutch points, he is solid. And I think that gives Nick fans a general confidence going into the playoffs. Like, if it gets down into those final minutes, like, we have someone who could legitimately win us games. That's something that I think we struggled with against um, Atlanta. Yeah, he's a league leader in clutch points for a Is reason. Is he? Yeah. Come he, on, Jalen. I'm not sure if he's number one, but he's in that top three for sure. Um, Cleveland versus New York, that's a tough matchup for both teams. I want to give the nod to Cleveland just because 
I, I trust Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. When he's last seen in the playoffs, he was putting up 30 games. One of the best playoff performers in league history, actually. When you just look at the numbers, um, he goes from like a 24, 25 point per game guy in a regular season for his career to over 30 in the playoffs. So he raises his game. You have Darius Garland, who's one of my favorite players, personally. I just love his game, love his shiftiness, his ability to score. And he's the second guy now, which is kind of crazy because he can easily be a, a one, a number one guy on a championship team, in my opinion. Then you have the defense. The Knicks, great defensive team, too. They're top 10 in that category this year. It, it's, again, tough. I think that's six or seven games. If I had to bet right now, I don't know. It's, it's a <laughs> it, tough it's, one. It's, it's really tough. I think I think for basketball fans in general, that'll be a really good series. Like, I know right now there's conversations of like, oh, it's not exciting or casual fans aren't as interested. But I think if you're a fan of basketball, that's going to be a good series. That's it's going to be series. like good defense, you know, hard working. It's going to go into those final minutes. I don't think any of the games are going to be won. Well, I shouldn't say that. Because anything could happen in the playoffs. Yeah. But, like, I doubt there's going to be games that are won by 20. I think it'll be, like, really close games. Yeah, really close games. Uh, if I'm putting a bet in right now, I'd say Cleveland in seven. And that's only because if this series were to go right now, Cleveland has home court advantage. And I just feel like in the game seven, those Cleveland fans are, are real diehard basketball fans. They've been starved. They haven't been in the playoffs since LeBron was there. So you have to take that into consideration. They they really want to see their teams be successful. So I'm saying Cleveland that one. But the Knicks, great story this year. Um, Jalen Brunson should be in that most improved conversation. Should have oh, been an all-star. Sure. For sure. And uh, you guys, uh, one one piece away, one, one superstar piece away from being up there in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. It's a good time to be a Knicks fan. Y'all should join the bandwagon now. Good time to be a Knicks fan. Bad time to be a Memphis Grizzlies fan. See what I did there in transition. That was fantastic. That's a broadcasting enemy. Uh, so you talk about John Morant, right? John Morant, he's been... Obviously, the main story is the Instagram video with him showing a gun. And we'll talk about that. But that was one of many incidents that has been coming up with John Morant over the last... Prior to All-Star Bridge, let's say February to... March, which we're in now. I'm just going to read a few headlines for you guys. This is from The Athletic. NBA probed incident involving associates of Grizzlies John Morant red laser trained on Pacers team members. This one's from Yahoo Sports. John Morant reportedly accused of repeatedly punching teenage boy in head. This was at a game over the summertime. And then John Morant accused of threatening mall security in Memphis. So... When you talk about these things with John Morant, by all accounts, he's a good dude. You talk to uh, professionals, you talk to media members, athletes, they all like John Morant. He's a fan favorite. He's a guy that people look up to. People try to model their games after him. He burst onto the scene in college basketball at Murray State. He was a star there. People say, okay, it's him and Zion and then the rest of the pack. And rightfully so. He's a great player. He had a Nike shoe deal, which is a big deal for players, especially with Nike. He is a guy that's on the track to be a perennial all-star, perennial all-NBA guy, perennial MVP candidate. The Face list goes the on league. and on. Face of the league. 
and then this stuff happens where I'm not sure if they found out that he was under the influence or not, but he was at a club, shirtless, on Instagram Live with a, with a gun in his hand. Um, Alayla, I'm going to come to you first. What's your overall thoughts on this John Moran situation here? Um, It's a lot. Uh, I won't lie. I'm a player first person. I, I just want to see these players in situations where they're being successful. Um, I'm very cautious of the me- Sorry for the media, but no, you're good, man. as someone who's a player first person, I think the media puts these athletes in a negative light at times. However, um, I think the biggest thing is accountability. Um, ja admitted that he was wrong, deactivated all his accounts, released his statement, and from what he said is seeking the help that he needs. Um, but let's not get it confused. This was a bad decision on his part. Um, I was just watching the TNT broadcast and Shaq said he chose to press Instagram mm-hmm. live. Like without it being out there on Instagram, no one finds out about the situation or they find out, but not the way that everyone did. So I really hope that Ja gets the help he needs. I keep saying it like I'm very glad if this situation was going to happen regardless that it happened now when he's 23 and has time to change the narrative. There's so many NBA players from the past who we know as these great athletes who had incidents like similar to this in early in their career and changed the narrative. So I think the biggest thing is Ja getting help. And once he's back, is he getting the resources? Is he surrounding himself with the right people so that this isn't the defining moment in his career? Yeah, definitely. Let's not get this confused. Uh, you know, we talk about getting help. This isn't like depression. This isn't something like that. This is just poor decision making. Um, like you said, he chose to go on Instagram Live. He chose to have the gun. He chose to have in his hand on Instagram Live. Like this is just poor decision making. And even going back to the other headlines I talked about, um, you talk about a reportedly, accusably, repeated, repeatedly punching a teenage boy. This is Bad decision-making. That's a stupid look, if you ask me. Like, why are you fighting a teenager? You're a grown man. That makes no sense whatsoever. And from the article, it's not like they were in a fight. This was him assaulting a a kid. He was a 17-year-old boy. But, you know, poor decision-making. Accused of threatening mall security. And that was over something with his mother. I'll read over the story just to get the entire details but it was at a finish line um a dispute with an employee where ja came with his entourage and according to the police report morant said let me find out what time he gets off so you know we're we're not done Elena. you know what that means right you know that let me find out what time he gets off you don't need to be a genius to figure out what that means um in the report it said the guard felt threatened by morant's statement and no arrests were made in any of these cases. So John Moran has been getting off essentially scot-free. But coincidence that all these things are coming up in the succession, like one, two, three, in the same month, month and a half span? I don't think so. But this last one, again, it was Ja who started the Instagram Live. Terrible look. And uh, now we talk about potential suspensions. Um, this Memphis Grizzlies team, the Western Conference is wide open, and we'll get into the standings in a little bit. Credit 
all the credit in the world to Denver. I've loved Denver for so long. They're finally healthy. They finally have their pieces in place, along with Nikola Jokic, MVP front runner at this point in time. But Memphis, there is no world where if John Moran is playing and they're playing at their best, where they can't win the championship this year. Like, let's be completely honest. Last year against Golden State, when John Moran was healthy, they were looking like they were going to beat Golden State. And that changed the entire complexion of the entire postseason at that point. So losing John Moran, yes, this Grizzlies team especially have lots of talent. When Tyus Jones has filled in for John Moran, he's been playing spectacularly. Shout out to him. But you can't replace a guy that can get you 30 and 10 on any given night in John Morant. So, like you said, man, I hope John Morant, he can do what he can to prevent himself from getting situations like this again and, you know, make sure that you're more responsible, you're more accountable for yourself. Because it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your teammates. It's about the millions of people watching. It's about the little kids that are that are watching. Like, this is their favorite player, and now you're turning on TV like, he, he did what? Like, he had a gun? Like, why why are you doing that? You know, so a lot of a lot of implications with what John Morant did there. And to go back to the Grizzlies for a second, I know a lot of people talk about, like, oh, what matters is what's on the court. But there's a lot going on in Memphis between Dylan Brooks making statements. I'll put it out there right now. I am a Draymond Green fan. So I thought Draymond's response was, you know... He got what was coming towards him. But it it really does take away from what's happening on the court if we don't know the locker room situation. I won't even try and speculate on that. But, like, there are a lot of stories coming out of Memphis between Dylan Brooks and Ja. So it's hard to see, even if Ja came back, like, what the playoffs look like for them because there's just so many other headlines aside from you know, what's happening on the court. So, yeah. Yeah, with John, you know, he, he'll he'll be all right, I think, for the most part. Might get a suspension, I'll suck, but, you know, learning experience. Dylan Brooks, man, let's just talk about Dylan Brooks for a second. From when he was in Oregon, I genuinely like Dylan Brooks as a as a talent. I think that he has 3 and D potential. could be a high-level high 3 and D forward. He can make shots. He can defend, tough nose. All the things you would want in a Memphis. I'm sure if he was a New York Nick, you'd love him. He gets he get, he very much '90s Knicks vibes. When you talk about the Draymond Green incident, Draymond, you know, he's a champion. He's a four-time NBA champion. He's a dude that has the respect around the league. Dylan Brooks, you know, he's still earning his stripes in the NBA. He hasn't won anything. I think that's the main reason where you can say all right Draymond he can say whatever he wants he's a champion he's an Olympian with Team USA he's done so much for the game of basketball as an ambassador he's he'll probably get a statue outside of Golden State along with Steph and Clay just for what they've done for the the better part of a decade at this point Dylan Brooks you know sometimes you just have to stay in your lane and, you know, one day Memphis could definitely be champions. I'm, I'm not knocking that. But for right now, still got to do what you got to do. You got to make it to the finals before you can really come at someone who, at the top, defending NBA champions. I think, yeah, that's the biggest thing is not just saying the comments of, oh, I don't like Draymond. That is a personal thing. But to say, like, I don't know what Draymond 
brings to the table as someone who's trying to brand themselves as a defensive player which i assume dylan brooks is yeah you should be like draymond should be the standard like of course maybe you want to be able to score and do more than draymond does but like as someone who wants to be a defensive player like you should be taking this as an opportunity to learn or like reach out to draymond and say hey man like asking questions it's it's a tough one. I'm like also very biased because I do like Draymond and I don't really love all the um, flagrant fouls from Dylan Brooks. I think without the flagrant fouls, he would 100% be a player I'd root for. But I think, yeah, this is also a learning moment for him. Like he will learn from this moment of, you know, who won, who to pick your battles with, but also like knowing your place in the NBA, like, it would be he would be lucky to have a career like Draymond. Yeah, and let's not forget prime Draymond Green, uh, NBA Finals Game Seven. If he had won against Cleveland in twenty sixteen, he would have been Finals MVP. Put that into perspective for Dylan Brooks talking about young Draymond sucks, and even though he's not putting up the same point totals, his impact is immeasurable for the Golden State Warriors. To be quite honest, the pick and roll partner with Stephen Curry that opens up the floor in such a way where. His passing, his ball movement, his orchestration on the defensive end. For a lot of the Golden State Warriors era, he played a lot of small ball five, and that allowed them to run the table. This was even before Kevin Durant got there, when there was uh, Steph, Clay, Iguodala, Draymond, Harrison Barnes. That lineup was wreaking havoc in the NBA, and that does not work if Draymond Green is not there. His playmaking ability, his ability to get steals, he, he was their quarterback in the way that even Stephen Curry, he would probably agree with that statement for this entire Golden State Warriors run. And that's another thing. Like, Draymond did not get carried to any of those championships. Without Draymond Green, those don't happen. So, for someone like Dylan Brooks, who's still making his bones in the league, and yeah, the Grizzlies look good, but on that championship team, if they were to win the championship this year, would he have the same impact that Draymond had? I don't think so. So, I mean... You know, like I said, learn who to pick your battles with. You're not you're not talking to Julius Randle. You're talking to, you know, Draymond Green, four-time champ, defensive player of the year, all that. So, you know, yep. that's all I got to say on that. One thing that I use is learning to pick your battles in the NBA. But the battle in the playoffs, that's going to be something that's very intense for both conferences. Taking a look at the standings here, I'll run through 1 through 10. got to include play and implications. Number one in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. Number two, Boston Celtics. Number three, the Philadelphia 76ers. Number four, Cleveland Cavaliers. Number five, the New York Knicks. Number six, the Brooklyn Nets. Number seven, Miami Heat. Number eight, Atlanta Hawks. Number nine, Toronto Raptors. Number 10, the Washington Wizards. And over in the West, Denver Nuggets. Number one, Kings two, Grizzlies three, Suns four, Warriors five, Clippers six, Timberwolves seven, Mavs eight. Lakers 9, Pelicans 10. What stands out to you when you first see these standings here, Elena? Um, well, I'll start with the East because I do not watch enough of the West. But Wizards definitely stand out. But also, just the difference from last year. Um, I think going into the playoffs, the Chicago Bulls were at least in the playoffs. They played Milwaukee, I think, that first round, I want to say. Yep. Um... Things changed. Like, mm-hmm. 
One, with the Chicago situation, I'm a big DeMar DeRozan fan, but what's happening with Lonzo Ball is very concerning. That is very sad. Very sad. Very sad. Um, to see someone's career going the way that it is. Um, but yeah, like going back to this year, a lot of teams in that, just the top six alone, like the Knicks weren't even in the playoff conversation. Um, so I think that just goes to show you how how much the NBA could change in a season. Um, between free agency, a lot of movement in the, a lot of movement in the East, but also like midseason free agency stuff. Like KD and Kyrie are both out of the East, so you know Brooklyn is at the sixth seed. But if they had started the season without those guys, like next year, who knows where Brooklyn's gonna be? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing that stands out is the difference between this year's playoffs and next and last year's playoffs. Okay, so. Since we're talking about the Eastern Conference, I stay there for a second. The Milwaukee Bucks are 47 and 18, 9 and 1 in their last 10. The Boston Celtics, 46 and 21, but they are 5 and 5 in their last 10. That concerns me a lot as a Celtics fan. I was going to say, what? how are you feeling about the Celtics? You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking right now that they're going to be fine. I'm not, the sky isn't falling just because. You know, prior to this, we lost three straight games. We lost to the next couple of times. We're all right because at the end of the day, we have Jason Tatum, a top five player in the NBA. You have Jalen Brown, a top 20, 15 guy in that range in the NBA. You have Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart. You have Al Horford, a savvy veteran who, shout out to Al Horford. I thought he would done Two years ago, but he has shown so me solid. that I'm I'm wrong, and I'm not wrong too often. So, shout out Al Horford. You have Time Lord Rob Williams. You have Grant Williams, who missed some free throws in the stretch against that Cleveland game, which is awful the way it happened. But uh, the team is just complete. But then you look at Milwaukee, and top to bottom, they may have the most complete team in the league. It's, it's not even fair. You look at the starting lineup, Giannis... Drew, Chris Middleton is one of my favorite players, very underrated. Brooke Lopez, who, in my eyes, Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, Bobby Portis in there as well. Joe Ingles, an amazing pickup. Jake Crowder, an even better pickup. George, excuse me, not George. Is George Hill still on? Yeah, George Hill. But Javon, Javon Carter is the backup point guard there. And you have just a plethora of different guys that are interchangeable on defense, who can score on offense. And then Giannis, the best player in the world. There's just, as a Celtics fan, there's not too many teams that really give me pause to cause in terms of championship aspirations, but the Milwaukee Bucks are certainly one of those teams. I, I agree. I mean, I'm biased. Giannis is my favorite player. I love Chris, love Drew. They're my type of guys. I say the same thing with the Warriors. when When they're healthy, like, I don't see why they couldn't win a championship. When when Golden State has their crew, I put them against anyone. Same thing with Milwaukee. It was a little rough starting the season without Chris. It's it's tough when Chris is out. Um right now I think he's he might still be on a minute restriction. I'm not sure. Um, but I think that's just them preparing for the playoffs to come. So I have, you know, I have Milwaukee coming out of the East, not, that's not to say that it won't be a fight. I think this is, this Boston team is scary, for sure. And as a Knicks fan, I hate the Celtics, but <laughs> this is the most likable Celtics team I have ever seen, where 
if they were not the Celtics, I would be rooting for them. Um, just the way that they play both sides of the ball, um, Tatum and Brown, I think that's a fantastic duo. Um, one of the best duos in the league. I'd put them against any other duo. Um, but yeah, overall, Milwaukee coming out of the East. Yeah, and again, I don't fault you for saying that at all. Milwaukee is a great team. Um, Philadelphia, they are the one team that I'm not sure what their ceiling is. Because you have Joel Embiid. He's an MVP candidate. Will he win it in his career? I don't know. And that's a sad thing. Um, He's been a runner-up in that mix for the last few years now. Never has quite won it. And with Jokic playing the way he is, it looks like he's going to win the MVP again. I agree. I think, to be honest, I think Joel missed his uh, window for MVP. Um, I think at this point... It's going to be really hard between Jokic and then if it's not Jokic, it's Luka. If it's not Luka, it's Giannis. Like, I I personally think Joel only has these next two years for MVP. Maybe I'll eat my words. I like Joel. No beef there. But I think, personally, I think he missed his MVP window. But missing is like, he he's what, 27, 28 right now? He still has so much time. And I guess, yeah. His, his health has been improved from early on in his career to now where he can consistently play 60-plus to 70 games. And in the postseason, he's playing a solid amount as well. It's just a, about the standings at this point. It's not even like Philly is bad. The number three seed, 43-22. and 22. The Denver Nuggets are 46-20. and 20. It's just that Jokic is doing incredible things. PER is off the charts, averaging a triple-double on the season right now as a center, which is unheard of. A lot of people don't like that argument about, oh, voter fatigue. He he shouldn't get it because he's been two-time MVP. But last person to do that was Larry Bird, and Larry Bird, an all-time great player, a champion, one of the top 10, 15 greatest players of all time. Is that the standard now where you're saying, is Jokic going to be in that echelon where it's all said and done? Personally, I mean, yeah, this man's like, a, like he is first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, at this point in his career, he already has two back-to-backs. Um, but do I believe in voter fatigue? I don't know. I think that's interesting. Um Maybe because I'm a Knicks fan and we don't have, like, too many MVPs, I don't look at the MVP race too much. Um, as a Giannis fan, I'd want him to win it every year if he could. Um, but I think you can't deny facts. Like, Jokic is is one of the best players in the league. Like, there's no arguing that. Um, I want to challenge that because mm-hmm. if you talk about top five players in the game, and I've seen this argument a lot whether it be on ESPN, whether it be on First Take, whether it be over on Fox Sports, whatever it may be, I would see the argument that Jokic isn't a top five player. and People are saying he's not? Yeah. And, 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 and just think about it for a second, right? If you're naming top five players right now, Giannis, Embiid, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, LeBron James... Jason, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's a, so that's, a, a, that's a, a good number of guys you can say before you say, oh, I'll take Nikola Jokic. Okay, so I agree. Then my question is, there is a separation in my mind between the MVP for the 2022-2023 season 
and the best players in the league because that that was the argument for LeBron back when he was beating up on my Raptors was LeBron could win MVP every single season because he's the best player in the league. But there's a difference between the MVP of the regular season. So I think, do I think Jokic is one of the best basketball players in the league? I don't know. That's up for debate. Um, But in terms of MVP candidates, he's like one or two. So I do, I do agree that like he might not come to mind in terms of best players, but there's a separation between the best player in the league and the MVP. Well, he he's one of the best players. Talking about top ten, top five. I was just naming guys like you can like legitimately like go through a list and not say Jokic's name. Which for a guy who's about to win three straight MVPs, that's that's crazy. Like when Larry Bird did it, you can never go more than two or three players without mentioning him. It was him, Magic, and then what you say Kareem in that in that I'm not too. I, I wasn't in, around in the 80s, obviously, but those are the names that come to mind off the top of my head. It's, it's interesting that this is a real conversation, and there's some merit to it. Um, funny thing I also saw on Twitter. Twitter has amazing stuff. Um, I'm going to read you the stat line. 18 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists for one game. 17 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists for another game. 18 points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists for another game. If I told you that this was Ben Simmons in 2019, would you believe me? Is it? Would you believe me? Maybe, yeah. Why not? <laughs> it was twenty it was 2019 when all that Philly stuff went down, or was that pre? I think that was 2021 when okay. that happened. Yeah. Okay, yeah, why not? Yeah, he was an all-star. Okay, so these are the numbers of Nikola Jokic <laughs> and over his last three games. Someone on Twitter said that the numbers that um, Jokic has been putting up throughout the season are prime Ben Simmons numbers. And initially I laughed. I was like, that's hilarious. But then I thought about it. I was like, hold on. Ben Simmons low-key on any given night could give you a, a, like I mentioned, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. He won't give you the threes, but he'll give you these type of numbers, which is funny that, you know, Ben Simmons was an all-NBA player. All star, comparable numbers apparently to the next three time reigning MVP, but uh, it's so sad how Ben Simmons is not even in Brooklyn's rotation. Like the Ben Simmons situation is is very um, upsetting, and like I prefaced, I am a player first person, um, so it's clear that there's there's a mental block happening. Um, I stand by that. Of course, I don't know the full situation, but it's clear that like. There is something preventing him from being the player that he once was. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, like, he's just naturally not as good. We're talking about the difference between a couple years. Um, So, you know, I really, I don't know if he'll ever get back to what he was. Um, It's a little early to say. But just speaking on that situation, definitely think there's some sort of mental block that he just either has to work through or it. Or he doesn't, and, you know, he fades away. But I really hope that he figures it out. Only 26 years old. Doesn't turn 27 until July 20th. 6'10". Well, I forget the wingspan. 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, seven, wingspan, something along those lines. 
in his prime, which I guess his prime was what twenty two years old. That's kind of weird to say. <laughs> you know, he was a he was a seventeen points, eight rebounds, nine assists guy, two steal, defensive player of the year candidate, all star, top twenty five guy in the league. To go from that to a guy who's no longer in the rotation, not like he had a freak injury, not like he had a, a, an Achilles, not like he, he AC. You know, he didn't have any of these injuries. It brings into question character. It brings into question mental fortitude. Because he's on the court playing. The first thing that I saw that really made me question Ben Simmons, I remember this was a game, November, October, November, early in the season. Ben Simmons, he got a rebound. Matter of fact, no, it was KD who got a rebound. Kicked it out to Ben Simmons. And he was alone on the fast break. He had someone trailing him. Instead of going up for a dunk, and it was basically a, a one-on-one situation on the fast break, Ben Simmons, 6'10", he, instead of going to the paint, once he hit the free throw line, he dribbled back out to the three-point line and to wait for Kevin Durant to come behind him, and he passed the ball to KD. Now, if you're 6'10", an athletic freak, why are you passing out the ball? And it wasn't like that was like, Name of Rudy Gobert in the paint waiting for him or something. It was a guard. So you think about these things. It's a it's a fear factor of what? Maybe going to the foul line. A fear factor of just not being good enough, maybe. And it's just really sad to see because coming out of LSU, I truly thought, as did so many others, this was the next LeBron James. And that that's not hyperbole to say. He has the passing vision. He still has the passing vision. You see it when he plays. Defensively a monster. Only thing he didn't have is jump shot. Same thing as LeBron James. He saw the summer workouts where he was shooting threes. So why not do it in the game? So it's just a lot of mental, like I said, mental block, whatever it may be. But it's really a sad situation because he can easily be a top 10 guy in the league if he puts his mind to it. But he can't, clearly. Agreed. Yeah, he was an all-star talent. Uh it is. It's. It's sad to watch that. Um, and when when we talk about mental block, I think that goes straight to. It's strictly on the offensive side. Like, it's like you said, maybe a fear of going to the free throw line, a fear of shooting. The way I think about it is, like, if someone got a leg injury and it happened when they were dunking, they might be scared to dunk. Same thing if you like were taking a charge and you got injured. Every time you go to take a charge, you're going to feel whatever that fear of injury is. And I think it's all mental. So when it comes to shooting, like anything to do with offense, it's just he can't overcome that. And I hope in the coming years, maybe he could find himself. I haven't watched too much Brooklyn this year, um, so I haven't gotten time to like actually watch him on the court and see how he's moving, how he's interacting with his teammates. But I just, you know, I hope the best for him because, like you said, he has the capability of being a top 10 player in the league and the NBA is missing out with not having him at, you know, full 100% potential. I hope that he gets the help that he needs. It sounds like that's more mental than the John Morant situation. People saying John Morant needs help. Ben Simmons, I think he does need help. Um, Let's transition over to the Los Angeles Lakers. The reason why I am bringing up the Los Angeles Lakers is because I'm tired of the Los Angeles Lakers being in the national headlines. <laughs> the reason why I'm tired of the Los Angeles Lakers being in the national headlines. The start of the season, Los Angeles Lakers, correct me if I'm wrong, 2-10 start. 
two and twelve, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I'll double check that in a second. Over the time that they have had that terrible start, LeBron James has been putting up heroic numbers, um, around thirty points per game. Got the all-time scoring title, which rightfully so, it should be celebrated. It should be talked about. That is an amazing accomplishment. Ever since the trade deadline, which I'll give Rob Palenka and their crew credit. They got some solid pieces. They got D'Angelo Russell. I like him bringing them back to the Lakers uniform. Jared Vanderbilt, solid defender. You got Malik Beasley, Rui Hachimura prior to the trade deadline. You got some excellent pieces to fit around this Los Angeles Lakers squad with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Got rid of Russell Westbrook over in a Clippers uniform. Didn't even need to move addresses. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers, they are ninth in the Western Conference standing. That means they are in playing contention. They are three games in the win column behind their stepbrother, Los Angeles Clippers <laughs> team, who are 35 and 33 right now. The Lakers, they have won their last two games, seven and three in the last 10. Solid, respectable. But when I constantly turn on ESPN programming, when I constantly turn on First take, which I love first take. Shout out Monica McNutt. Uh, For real. Shout out everybody um, that I know on the show. Kimberly Martin, all, all those people. Awesome. Um, I turn on ESPN programming, and I constantly hear about the Lakers. Are they going to make it into the play-in? Are they going to be out the play-in? Are they going to be contenders once LeBron James comes back with the way Anthony Davis is playing? Can we pump the brakes a little bit talking about the Lakers? Like, I'm a fan of LeBron James. I'm a fan of Anthony Davis. As a Celtics fan, I, I like the Lakers. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. One of my favorite players of all time. Look at the great lineage of NBA players that have been in the purple and gold. Tinseltown, Lala, all the great stuff you can talk about LA. It has been said many, many, many times. And it will be continued to be said. But there are better stories to talk about than the Los Angeles Lakers trying to fight into the playoff, play in and potentially be out of the play as sixth seed. Talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards is leading that team without Carl Anthony Towns in that rotation. They're going to be in the playoffs potentially, if not in the play-in. That's a way better story to talk about. The Dallas Mavericks, maybe talk about them a little bit more, the struggles that they're having. You know, I again, I like the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't want to say I don't like the Los Angeles Lakers. But every day, man, every single day, we're going to talk about Oh, LeBron's hurt. Anthony Davis, he had a good game. Is Anthony Davis going to be hurt tomorrow? Is he going to sprain his ankle like KD did in warm-ups? I, I'm just, like, it's annoying. It's really annoying. Sorry about this, rant. Like, you, you can go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just, like, super annoying to hear about the Lakers constantly. And if they don't make the play, it's going to be all for naught. And then what are you going to say? Oh, LeBron James, he'll be back next year. Oh, they can retool, revamp the roster. I just I just don't understand the infatuation with the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, thirty-one and thirty-five, eleven seed right now, a game out of the play-in. They could be a team that ends up in the playoffs. And for a team that was trying to tank early on, or a lot of people assumed they were going to tank. They got the number two pick with Chet Holmgren last year. They are in amazingly um, ahead of schedule. With their rebuild, I'm talking about Shea Gillis Alexander, uh, first team All NBA guy, if not for the fact that they are in the playing situation, All NBA, one of those teams, second or third 
Um, Josh Giddy, great young player. Jalen Williams in the NBA, rookie of the year conversation. A lot of interesting pieces. You have um, Pokusevsky. You have the other Jalen Williams from Santa Clara or whichever one. There's two Jalen Williams, <laughs> Williams on the yeah, same team. Two Jalen Williams on the same team. Yeah, two Jalen Williams on the same team. Um, you have LeGuence Dortz. You have a bunch of solid players. Talk about the Thunder for one second before you mention the Los Angeles Lakers. It can't happen. The floor happen. is yours. <laughs> it can't happen. As a fan of a team that's in, you know, the number one market, I'll say LA's number two, like, you can't, you can't not talk about these teams. I think, one, LA, but the Lakers are, like... NBA royalty in the same way that the Celtics are NBA royalty. Like the league, the league is prosperous when those teams are prosperous. I say the same thing about the Knicks. When the Knicks are playing well, the NBA is in a good space because we're talking these big markets, New York, LA, Chicago, Boston. I wouldn't call it a big market, but the Celtics are ingrained in NBA history. You can't talk NBA basketball. And I agree. I agree with that. But damn, every day, like, come on. Like, Anthony Day-to-Day Davis should not be on the headlines every single day. And I love Anthony Davis, but he's been hurt way too much. The team, they've been below 500 for this entire season. You can't continually bring up these this team and say, all right, we're going to talk about the Lakers again. And unfortunately or maybe fortunately for the network, they're going to keep getting clicks because it's going to have either LeBron James, Los Angeles Lakers, or Anthony Davis in the headlines. And that alone is going to attract people. And I understand SEO. I understand the the market and how online clicks work, all that different stuff. But, I mean, again, if the Lakers make it into playoffs, that is great. Again, you were talking to me earlier um, off, off air, talking about how, like, the Knicks, they're doing good. Are they contenders now? Can, can we cut that out with the Lakers, please? <laughs> and I think that's another thing. Like, the with the Lakers and the Knicks, it's like regardless of if they're good or bad, they will be in the press. Because if they're not good, like they aren't right now, it's what do the Lakers need to do? They need to get rid of Russ. Is LeBron washed? All these things. And when they're good, you talk about them. If they're mid, you're going to talk about them. So... I imagine for for smaller market teams, um, you know, it's hard to even get a TNT game. But, like, we are seeing the Lakers on TNT every other week, regardless of if they're good. Same thing with the Knicks in the past few years when we haven't been good. It's even worse now that we are good. We're going to be on every every other week next year. Like, I think that's just the nature of, of basketball and the NBA and the media. Like, L.A. and New York are always going to be talked about. Good, bad, mid. Like, there's always going to be a story because everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to talk about them. I the promise you, I promise you, if I go back and count all the segments on first take that have been about the Lakers, it will be at least 15 times more than they talk about the number one seeded Denver Nuggets. For sure. I mean, and I think that's a shame. I think... When it comes to like on-court product, I believe teams should be talked about based on talent. Um, but like you said, when it comes to clicks, like everyone wants to see what's up with LeBron. Like it's even worse that LeBron's in a big market, you know, like LA. It just amplifies everything. Same thing with Russ. Like people also just love to complain and love to like 
like when the Lakers are bad, it's like, okay, let's start pointing fingers. I'm a huge Russ fan. So, you know, Mm. I like, I really feel for this guy. But like, you know, people like to, people like to see those kind of stories. And if the Lakers were good, it would be this times 10. So, yeah. Again, if they're good, I don't mind it. But they've been below 500 the entire year. They've been hovering around 14, 13 in the Western Conference for majority of the year. They might not even be in the play-in tournament. Like let let's let's stop right there. They're number really? nine right now. It's not like they they're number six securely, like three or four games ahead. They are 32 and 34. They can easily be a lottery team. Easily be a lottery team picking in the in the late lottery this year. So let let's let's give some respect to other teams. Let's stop the presses when you're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. Relax. Like, I understand LeBron James, one of the greatest players of all time. But next year, sure, start off the start off the NBA season. Are the Los Angeles Lakers going to contend? That is a perfectly fine argument to make at the beginning of the year. You have offseason moves. You have different things that are going to happen around the league. I'm perfectly fine with that. But right now, you don't got to talk about the Lakers this much. You, you really don't. That's my piece with that. Um, let's talk about some good teams, good players. The international scene in the NBA has been as good as it's ever been. Um, you talk about just the influx of talent, pioneers, guys like um, why am I blanking? Whoa, Hakeem Olajuwon. I don't know why I blame like, <laughs> Hakeem Olajuwon, Steve Nash, um, Dirk Nowitzki, Manu Ginobili, um, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan. You know, that the whole Spurs organization. There's some of amazing, amazing guys that have come out of the international ranks to play in the NBA. And Elena, you want to bring up the fact that, you know, international players are they're kind of taking over at this point in the NBA. One hundred percent. Um like if you look at the top, like we were naming all those great players, you're talking Luca, Joker, Giannis, Embiid. Shay, like we're talking, these are all MVP candidates and they're all, you know, international. And one that speaks to the reach that the NBA has in bringing in talent and people wanting to play in the NBA. But also it's like, okay, like the American boys got to step up. Like if I was to say who's the best American player aside from LeBron James, like it's Tatum. And then like, you know, like, not to say that these players aren't great, but it's just fascinating to see when you look at those names that I named, that five inter- international people, like, you got to come up with another five Americans. And it's like, shout out. That could be the next All-Star game, Yeah, by the way. Yeah, I was going to mention that. <laughs> that should I've definitely seen, be the next All-Star game. I've seen a lot of that where people are saying, oh, for the All-Star game, let's do world versus international. And... That would be a pretty good um, one incentive for the All-Star game to actually be competitive. Um, you're repping for your, not necessarily your country, but yeah, you can say for your country too on the American side. And then the international players maybe could do a thing where like all jerseys have like like their flag, like somehow like represented. For sure. Um, Sylvania for Luca, you know, Embiid. Um, I forget exactly Cameroon? where he's from. Cameroon. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Cameroon. Um, Serbia. They have Pascal Siakam. Shout out Pascal, Pascal. Siakam. Um, a bunch of different guys. Like you're talking about starting five for, for the international team. You can go Shea, Luca, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. That I could think be they your said five. 
seven of the All-Stars were all, like, Bam, I think. Well, no, Bam might be American. But, like, like seven of the All-Stars this season were international. So, like, that just speaks to, you know, the league and how it's growing and developing. I think it's a great thing for the league um, because you're always going to have that homegrown American talent. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing to see. And also, like, the pioneers, like you said, so many people who... Giannis credits for the reason why he watches basketball and, you know, setting the standard for international players playing in America. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and international players, they're coming over here now and they're bringing their, their styles, their Eurocentric styles. Um, shameless plug to a story that I'm writing for the Daily Orange right now. Um, Sophie Burrows, she will be a freshman for the women's orange basketball team next year. She's from Australia. And, you know, just her her talent level, the ability to shoot the heck out the ball, um, just bringing different skills, bringing a different mentality from overseas to the Americas, which can change the game. Um, one of the big things that is in the NBA now, Spain pick and roll. Um, you talk about guys like Powell, Marcus Gasol, people that are bringing over these new tactics and are being implemented into the game at a high rate. Um, international play has been amazing. Um, not only Team USA, um, Australia with Patty Mills and that crew, um, Spain, Slovenia with Luka Doncic leading the charge. The NBA and their reach has been incredible, to, to say the least. And I don't think that it's getting any smaller. It's going to continue to expand. Um, Victor Wembanyama, obviously, <laughs> that's a big name, big person. Um Number one pick, I think that's a surefire thing for next year. And um, he'll probably transcend borders even more because, yeah, France, um, obviously America is going to love him. Then people from different countries are just going to be like, hey, if, if Jokic can do this, if NBA can do this, if you have the talent. Um, and there's always, like, NBA, um, I forget the name of the camp, but there's always different camps that uh, the NBA has all across the world. Mm-hmm that try and find these guys, and if they like them, hey, you come out here, play for my AAU team for a summer. You come to high school here. You'll get looks from Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, all the big-name schools, and then you're in, in the NBA making millions and taking your family out of some not-so-good situations, depending on where you're from, or good situations, but it's just a beautiful thing to see for the NBA. For sure, and I think, you know, the NBA is constantly expanding. Um, they're doing a lot around their Basketball Africa League right now. So, you know, bringing basketball league, like a, an entire league to Africa is amazing. They're thinking of, um, there have been talks of expanding into Mexico City, like having an NBA team in Mexico, because if it works in Toronto, maybe it will work there. You know, like, I think... That's one of the best parts about the NBA. Shameless NBA plug. I love the NBA. Want to work for them. But, you know, like, that's something that the NBA has on other leagues is that that international element. Um, And, you know, constantly just expanding, seeing what works. Um, And hopefully, you know, we're seeing a league where, I don't know the percentage right now of international players, but hopefully it's just continuing to go up, especially in Asia. Really hope there's a Filipino basketball player soon. Right now we have two uh, half-Filipino guys, Jordan Clarkson and Jalen Green. But hopefully one day, you know, 100% Filipino in the NBA. That's my that's my dream. Well, in 2020, 22% of NBA players were international. So wow. I'm not sure what it is right now, but 
almost 25 percent that's that's significant for an american sport and an american league so for sure. that's big time oh but kind of staying with like percentages just want to talk about the g league for a second i don't know if you have the set but there was something like 30 percent of people in the league who were playing right now had played in the g league at some point and i think that's fantastic i think that's only beneficial to the league if people get g league experience you know they have someone like jordan Poole. i think did fred van vliet yeah. play yeah like all these people who are performing at a high level like it's just creating more opportunity and the more talent you have you know the better the knicks uh are two two-way players um deuce mcbride and jericho sims like have come in huge so I think I think just continuing to develop the G League and having these guys playing NBA games, like I think it's just great. I don't know. That was just a shout out to the G no, League. No, I definitely agree. And of course you have G League Ignite, um, which is sort of like that college um equivalent for a lot of these high ranked high school guys. Obviously you have Scoot Henderson, who's sort of the name that kinda of stands out. Um the years prior, you had Jonathan Kuminga, um, other talented guys as Jaylen well. Jalen Green did uh, Ignite, I think. So yeah. lots of talented guys that are coming through that program. So, you know, before the G League, before the D League, you know, it was an afterthought um, in the NBA. No one would watch it, really. And now with um, Scoot Henderson, with other guys, I remember the G League Ignite versus Victor Wembanyama's team. That was a that was a big thing. That was a big deal to see mm-hmm. two prospects. I think that sort of opened the door, opened the eyes of the casual fans. Like, okay, there's some really good basketball here. And I remember catching myself. It was whatever Indiana's um, team is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, but Indiana's G League team. I remember I was watching their game, and that was some high level basketball. Like they were they were competing. They were really fighting because um, that's they're trying to get to the NBA. They're trying to get to the NBA. Um, salaries aren't always like NBA salaries. I forget the max as you can have in the G League, but it's not like that. Um, NBA money. So, you know, these people are finally getting on the roster. They might come from a 9-to-5 job. So, you know, these people play really, really hard in the G League. So, great basketball to watch if there's nothing else on. For sure. I definitely think that G League, very important to continue supporting the W, the W starting up in May. Yeah. On my birthday, actually, May 19th. Oh, It's starting up. Um, do you have a WNBA team? That's your favorite? Yeah, I'm a Liberty fan. Liberty, okay. I, I used to go that. to Liberty Games as a kid when they were back in MSG. Um, so very exciting. <laughs> very exciting what's happening with the Liberty right now. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, big moves. Big free agency moves. Yeah, there's two super teams in the league right now. Um but, you know, I know a lot of people talk about super teams in the NBA, but I personally think this is good for the WNBA, just the excitement factor that it brings. Um, you know, and I think NBA players advocating for WNBA players is so, so important. I remember, like, following Kevin Durant's tweets when we were getting Stewie, and mm-hmm. it's, like, amazing to see that. And you see players um, at the games. This is just... A side note, um, I went to a couple Liberty games last summer, and Ben Simmons was at every game I went to. Mm. And, like, it did not get publicized. Like, they would show him on the screen, but, like, 
it wasn't on social media. He was legitimately coming to these games and watching the game, staying the entire time. So I think there are times when NBA players kind of do it performatively, but if we could start getting players like at every game, like that's that's so important and it's so so big to growing the league. Yeah, especially since it's in the off season. Um, the majority of the season for WNBA is in the NBA's off season, and even if it's not, you know, May nineteenth this year is starting. Um, a lot of teams are only like what four teams are playing at that point. That's around um, conference finals. Mm-hmm. A lot of what twenty six teams aren't playing. Go support your your WNBA team. On a side note about the Liberty, um, I'm very excited that John Quall Jones is a New York she Liberty. Is- she is something else. John Quill Jones, um, KD Light. I think the KD equivalent. I just love For her sure. game um, at the power forward spot. Just her ability to handle the ball, to create shots off the dribbles. She has a post game as well. Um, 2021 uh, MVP. WNBA MVP. Yeah, yeah, she can do it all. So very excited about that. Obviously, Brianna Stewart, um, upstate New York native. Um, I believe she's from Syracuse. Yes, yeah, she mistaken. is from Syracuse. Yeah, so you have that. Um, obviously, Sabrina Unescu. Um, a She's top a talent. Um, I'm honestly surprised that, um, you know, one, the popularity isn't as big in WNBA. That's a whole other issue. But Sabrina Inescu, um, she should be, like, a face of the league, and if not um, the next few years. Because now she has she, – she always had the talent. Now you have two superstars next to her. So she can just facilitate. She can – she'll probably average damn near close to a triple-double this year. Oh, she'll always sure. get the points, always get the – the rebounds. Now she has assists. Let's pass to John Cole Jones or Brianna Stewart, whoever you want on either wing. Yeah. That's just great for the league, great for Liberty fans. Um, get so, your season tickets now. <laughs> get your season tickets. I definitely will be at a few Liberty games this year, no doubt about it. Um, and obviously you have the Aces who are, they are raining, scary. raining champs. Um, they're, they're tough, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's scary out there. Like, I mean, you're talking about the defending champs getting Candace Parker and yeah. keeping their entire ro- like basically keeping their entire roster like how do you how do you compete with that like I got my liberty going against them by the way of Vegas versus New York like that is prime time television yeah like but yeah the aces are scary I and you know I'm prone to skepticism when it comes to you know super teams are adding players um adding really good players with really good players. I think sometimes it just doesn't mesh like the way Brooklyn panned out. But I think Candace is at the point in her career where, you know, she would recognize she's not the best player on the team. And still a great she, player. Still fantastic. Still, still an all-star. Player. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah, still a great player. But like, I think it could work out there. And like, she might be the veteran that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Aces are really scary. They're just a solid team. Um, wow, I'm blanking on the coach's name. What's her name? Why am I blanking too? <laughs> Becky I'm Hammond. Like, there you go, Becky Hammond. Uh, Becky Hammond. Yeah, she is. I thought she, of I thought of great women coaches, and I thought of Don Staley, but that's definitely South Carolina. No, she is a great basketball mind, and I think it's it's fantastic that she was able to get this opportunity and you know be a champion. That front core of Candace Parker and Aja Wilson, that is going to be a nightmare for the league. I really hope that, you know, I, I, I want the Liberty to win. I, I got to be a New York fan somewhere in the sure. sports of Kansas, <laughs> Kansas City, Boston. Uh, you know, Giants and the Yankees, those are, those are my other teams for major league 
Sports. Elena, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Do you want to shout out any social media, anything like that before we hop off? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram. It's Elra, E-L underscore, 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 R-A. Follow me on LinkedIn. I'm trying to get some connections. Um, if you're interested in talking basketball, I'm always down for that. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. All right. Thank you so much, Elena. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please, guys, make sure you guys rate five stars, reshare with friends, family, anybody who think that would like the podcast. I had a great time with Elena on this podcast. Definitely will have her on more often, especially as the playoffs roll around. You know, if if the standings remain, that Cleveland-New York series, that's going to be the one to watch. I understand in the Western Conference, there's a whole lot of parity. You could see the second seeded right now, Sacramento Kings. They could be knocked out in the first round. The Nuggets, who knows if the Lakers, I was giving the Lakers all that crap, but who knows if LeBron James back, Anthony Davis, they find the groove. The Denver Nuggets could be out in the first round. So a lot of parity, a lot of different stuff going on there. But I'm glad to have gotten this episode out. I always say this at the end of episodes, I'm going to continue to try and be consistent as much as possible you know with school and everything it's just like damn i'm a i'm a college student <laughs> and i'm also trying to get this podcast done but you know i'm working on other stuff too so it's all gonna round out into shape and things are gonna work out for what it should be but until next time guys take care